Hello, world. Hey. Hi. 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 Hello. Hello. Hi. It's like I've forgotten how to say hello. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Life with Kaka. I'm your host and fellow producer, Carolina Gropa. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the show. This is a place where I have candid conversations with other producers in the entertainment industry to dive deep into the unglamorous realities of what they do. I must admit I've been struggling to get new episodes out. Have you noticed? The much-needed civil unrest incited by the Black Lives Matter movement has occupied my mind, my body, and my soul these past few weeks. I admit that even thinking about doing the podcast in the midst of everything has seemed trivial. But then I remembered the tremendous power we have as storytellers. We can shape ideas, shine a light on different perspectives, and use art to amplify silenced voices, especially black and brown ones. It's funny because even though this conversation was recorded a month ago, compassion, kindness, inclusion, and seeing filmmaking as the ultimate community service were some of the themes we discussed. This conversation with Bronwyn Cornelius is absolutely magical. She is a Sundance and South by Southwest Grand Jury award-winning producer and an incredibly positive, radiant light of a human. One of her most recent films, Clemency, won the 2019 Sundance Grand Jury Prize in the U.S. Dramatic Competition. It's an incredible piece of cinema, and it should absolutely be at the top of your queue. So, without further ado, let's dig in and hear from Bronwyn. I am so grateful to you for taking the time and sitting and chatting with me in this remote world we are living in now. Um, I know you and I have been dancing around each other. In fact, when I was looking you up, this is a fun fact. You were an actor on The Pretty One many, many moons ago. And that was the first professional set I ever got to be on where I shadowed the producer, Steven Berger. So I was there the whole time. We crossed paths. That is too funny. Isn't that crazy? Wow. I love that we crossed paths on that. That was a fun Yeah. So take us to the beginning. You know, how did you discover this industry? Because you have such a vast life experience. You've been in so many different aspects of the business. Back me up to how you found entertainment. How I found Hollywood. Well, I was actually, I was born in Los Angeles and my mom was in the entertainment business. So she was a model and commercial spokesperson. And so I sort of grew up um, in the, in the entertainment industry, not in film and television, but definitely in the film, definitely in the entertainment industry. And I remember visiting a set at a really young age. I must've been about six or seven. And I was fascinated, like just what was this and what was going on? And one of my other favorite things to do when I was little, but same probably six, seven, eight was go to Universal Studios when it was really the back lot and what they called the glamour tram, which used to take you around to the bungalows of the stars and they would show you how movies were made and you would go like on a special effects stage and they would take you to a set where they showed how, you know, it rained outside the window and it was how movie magic was made. And I just, I was in love with that from a child. So it was always in my being. It's like I always wanted something to to do with the entertainment industry. It was just magical. I still feel that way about it. I can go to the Universal Backlot now and I still have that sense of awe about it, which is super exciting. So I went off, I ended up moving to England, um, going to school there. But 
and then I ended up in the business world in Hong Kong. So it's been, yes, it's been a very circuitous journey. <laughs> but the one thing that was always sort of in every cell of my being and what excited me was entertainment in some capacity. So when I was in the UK at school, I did theater. When I was um, living in Hong Kong, I was involved in, in various aspects and sort of like always had a toe in the water. And then when I moved back to LA, when I was in my early 20s, it must have been, is when I ended up running into John D. Schofield, mm -hmm. the line producer who had I had known when I was little, family friend. And I was like, John, I want to work in the entertainment business. How do I get, in, you know, how do I get involved? And he said, well, I'm looking for an assistant and I'm starting a job next week, send me your resume. And I already had business experience at this time. And I sent him my resume and I got hired. And fortunately, it turned out to be on Jerry Maguire. Oh, my gosh. And so <laughs> I thought I had died and gone to heaven. <laughs> what a hell of a <laughs> first experience. It was pretty extraordinary. Yeah. So I didn't, in, and in fairness, it's like, I didn't really know what any of it meant um, to backpedal a little bit. I had business experience from Hong Kong. And a lot of that had been in event planning and project management. And so that included budgets and schedules and organizing. And it was, didn't take me long to realize then working with the line producer that that really was it. Producing was the same thing. It was budgets and schedules and organizing and, you know, crew relations was like managing teams. And, mm -hmm. and so it turned out that the skill set I had from being just out in the business world was absolutely relevant. I mean, I was an I was an assistant, so it's like I was doing whatever I needed to do, but um, it it wasn't completely alien. And one of the thought things that I think was so fantastic and a great gift about working with a line producer, and particularly in the studio world, is you got exposed to all different facets of movie making. And what I remember when I walked on the set or my first couple of days, I had no idea what an operation it was you know it's like the different departments it's like i wish that i had understood at a younger age how many different careers there were in entertainment mm. it's like we know there's an actor director writer you know producer and maybe a couple of other things yes but to yes. then go on that set and see hundreds of people in different positions and different jobs was was amazing. Yeah. And so then working with the line producer, having that opportunity to sort of like interact and, and learn. And I felt like I was at film school. Amazing. I mean, yeah, it, it's so interesting how it's not until you get that first experience on a, a, a bigger set where you're just, it's almost like numbing to see how many people are required to be in sync to get anything done. And when you don't know what's happening, it looks like complete chaos. You're like, what are any of these people doing? There's like some people hanging around on a truck and then there's like other people over there like putting out a fire. It, what in the world? It is like a circus. It really is. <laughs> but once you understand when people have to do their jobs and when they have to kind of go away to let someone else do their job and sort of the finesse, the dance of it, um, I find it so beautiful. And, and to your point earlier, I think the moment you lose touch, as I think as a producer or as an artist, 
with that part of you that fell in love with movie making, you know, I think is a part is when you're sort of dead inside. Like the moment if I ever step on a lot and my breath is not taken away by the magic and the history yes. of that, then that's for me like, okay, I need to switch careers. Yeah, I so, I so agree. And I, I even you just saying that gave me goosebumps because yeah, it's like I get such a kick out every time I walk onto a lot. Producing is hard work. And it's a lot of, you know, it's just a lot of work it's certainly not glamorous as you as you know yeah <laughs> doing it yourself I know <laughs> but I love it and I'm totally with you is it's like when it's not fun anymore I know it's time to leave the party yeah exactly I mean I think it's a lot of hard invisible work that goes behind on behind the scenes and at its best it's almost it is supposed to be invisible you know it's like when you when you're not feeling like when you're not noticing the things that are happening, it's just all magically happening. Like that is a, pro- a good producer doing their best work. Mm-hmm. I think so much of the producing journey is very, um, it can be very lonely. It can be very singular. Um, you have moments in time where you are collaborating with maybe initially a writer director, depending on what discipline you're in. And then you get to set and then you have hundreds of people around you, but that's a small portion of the full length of a, of a project's life. And it's only for what, 30 some days mm-hmm. that if you're lucky, <laughs> if you're lucky, you know, that you're around all those people, but the rest of the journey is quite lonely. And I find a lack of like community in a way to unite us all because it, we struggle with a lot of, I have found through this podcast, this isn't just my, I mean, I had, a, I had thought this, but th- in doing the show, I've really it's been nice, I guess, to see that there's a lot of people in all levels that you think wouldn't be affected or wouldn't have these feelings. And we all have the same concerns. We all have the same struggles in many ways. And I think it's nice to feel we're not alone in that. In the overall producing or the creating process, you mean? Yeah, that, you know, whether you're a producer with the first look deal at Warner Brothers, or you just made your first movie, and you're trying to get it into a festival, like, the struggle is the same, no matter what level you're in, you know, it's and the the journey, and the way you feel about it, and the imposter syndrome, and all of this stuff that comes up, I think, is there no (laughs) matter what, you know, and I always thought that was like, okay, well, when you get to this level, like that goes away, you're just like sure of yourself and like all these doors open, you can you can just call anybody. And I'm sure you know that to be true after Clemency won Sundance in 2019, right? Like the, the heavens just opened up for you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I've arrived. It's going to be so easy now. Yeah, no. And it never is. It never <laughs> is. And so it's been reassuring, I think, is the word I was looking for earlier, to find that like, no matter where people are at, or what perceptions we may have of them and their successes, we're all sort of in this journey together. And we all hopefully have the same desires and intentions of forward momentum and telling stories that matter and, you know, putting our energies to, to elevate, um, especially for me, I, I think you probably would, would also agree, but, you know, elevating s- stories of women and people of color and um, underrepresented communities. I think it's, yeah. it's amazing. And, and those are all of the things that sort of like get me out of bed in the morning and, and why I feel as passionate or more passionate now doing what I do versus when I really started. I mean, I suppose it was about 20 years ago that I started or, or more when I worked with um, worked with John in the studio world. But then I produced my first film in 2007, which was a mm. guerrilla micro-budget film, uh, which was exhilarating. But I feel as or more passionate now. And it's sort of it is it's sort of having that opportunity to use your skill set and your experiences and your and your contacts 
to help support new voices, new stories, um, you know, changing the landscape of what we see and therefore what is being communicated and frankly, what is having an impact on how we all see and experience the world. Yeah. You know, and I think that we have a responsibility in that to ensure that there is a, a broad landscape of voices and experiences that are being put onto screens, large and small. And that is incredibly exciting to me. It is incredibly exciting. And I think, you know, this time that we're living in for all its flaws and faults, I think is the most exciting time to be alive as an artist where you can reach global audiences. You really can make an impact with whatever story you're trying to tell. And maybe it it doesn't have a, a blockbuster mass reach appeal, but perhaps it's better, you know, it's it's finding the right people that need to hear that message. Um, I think, you know, I, I've traveled a lot. And it's always amazing to me when I'm in like some remote, tiny place in Thailand, and there's some pop song from the 80s <laughs> playing and, I, and and they're jamming out singing and you're like, wow, like <laughs> music and art reaches every corner of our planet. Yeah. And people coming from all over the world to, you know, to the United States and to, and to Los Angeles in particular. And they're going and seeking all these things that they've seen on screen. And they're so excited. It's like, yeah, I love that. I mean, I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> But it's but it's lovely to be reminded. It's funny, like when I was traveling and I would tell people I lived in Los Angeles, like no matter where I went, people were like, wow, like you live in Los Angeles. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm here in like this amazing part of Thailand. And you're like excited that I, okay. You know, but it's just, it was just really eye opening that people had that visceral, like eye, stars in their eyes when you told them you lived in Los Angeles. And so, you know, when, when I think things get really tough, it's nice to be reminded that we do get to live in a place that has so much history of stories. And um, it's it's pretty incredible. For sure. And then on the flip side of that is sort of like what you're saying about traveling. And I, too, am like a avid traveler. It's like movies and traveling are probably my two favorite things in, in the world. Yeah. But how, as a filmmaker, having the opportunity to travel to different countries and cultures and learn about them and operate within them if we're fortunate enough to make a film in those in those communities and also then to be able to sort of share the stories um, of from and about those cultures and peoples is really cool. Yeah. I mean, everywhere I go, I'm like, can we shoot a movie here? How would we shoot something here? Like, what's the story here? I go into this tiny island in the South Pacific, uh, part of the Cook Islands, which is like south of where Fiji and all those islands are that people know, it's called Rorotonga, yeah. and it's the largest of those islands. I I never had heard of it. I didn't know it existed. I flew through there. Did you? Yeah. I just remember being there and been like, wow, I can't believe like no one shot anything here. And how do we bring stories here? Like this could be the next Fiji. I got in touch with like the the commission, the tourism board. Like I was, you know, going all out. But I was like, all right, calm down. So I get very very excited, you know, <laughs> about all of it. I do that, too. and I, everywhere I go, I figure as a location scout. That's one of my excuses for traveling so much it's like yeah Yeah. I've got to go on a location scout I need to see what get that right off yeah absolutely and also it's inspiring it's like you know and you see these different places and you know what's possible like I remember going to some castle in Romania and that totally just opened my you know opened my eyes and my mind to what opportunities to your point as far as like what I could film there and what yeah. sort of like readily available. And of course they do have a whole infrastructure. And I went to just tour of their, one of their studios and backlots. And uh, that's so cool. And you get this, you, you also are able to then get this behind the scenes look 
often. Mm-hmm. If you do get in touch with the film commission in Rarotonga, if they have one, <laughs> yeah. or the, you know, in, in Bucharest, the film commission in Bucharest, and get to team up with them and, and, and align with your, your counterparts from all over the world who are equally excited about filmmaking and talk about collaboration. And that's one of the things that I find really cool and exciting about filmmaking is that is the collaboration. Mm. And like you said, a lot of producing is sort of a, a lonely sport in that you may only have one or two people that are involved in the development process for a really long time. But when you do have the opportunity to collaborate, it's, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, like, you know, they're like-minded people that just that want to create. They're using their imaginations and constantly trying to figure out how to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And I think that's my favorite part of of producing. And there are many parts that I love, but but I would say it's like I love the puzzle. What are some of the other parts you love? Oh, I just love all of it. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. I do. I really love all of it. I do. I love the the collaboration. Um, I love the opportunity to take something from a kernel of an idea or from a script and then building that out to the final product. I mean, I would think it's sort of like, you know, building a, building a house or building a cathedral. It's like you have the plans and you have the idea and then you actually get to physically manifest it and sort of see the fruits of your labor. If you're fortunate enough, of course, we know that that's not, that's not always the case. Yeah. I love the innovation and creativity and, um, seeing people sort of inspired to create in in my opinion they're they're using the best parts of themselves to create it's a career where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts so it is only by everybody working together and only by everybody bringing their own skill set and tools to the to the party or to the process that creates the final product you cannot do it on your own uh, I think that that's really cool. That it's like it, you you absolutely have to sort of you have to figure things out. You have to problem solve. It's like you have to yeah. get through any adversity and any differences to find the solution that jointly works. Mm-hmm. So much of this industry is relationship based, right? Like a lot of businesses, but I think particularly in filmmaking because it is so collaborative and it is so much about finding personalities and vibes or wavelengths, however you want to describe it, that just automatically organically click. And it's why you have some of the great filmmakers of our time have their people, they have their DP, they have their editor, they've been working with them for 20 years. So uh, you're working on another project with Clemency writer-director Chinoa Chuku. Yes, (laughs) I think I said her name right. Like what makes a fruitful collaboration? What is it about when you have that like connection with that collaborator that makes you keep coming back? It's always a bonus when you have a shorthand with somebody. That's like when you when you get along and you've had a really positive experience. When you know you've created something great together and you've had success in what you've what you've created. Yeah. It's always going to be a gift I think to do another project with that person or with that team. It's like my fellow producer on Clemency, Julian Cawthorley, we have done four projects together now. Think and I've I've known him for a, a very long time and with him I totally have a shorthand. It's like I would work with him on anything because we just sort of automatically pass the baton back and forth. It's like when in working with uh, Chinoye, we were able to find a really good balance and a creative language. It's like I I dare say it's like I felt and saw her vision 
and was able to support what it was that she was looking to accomplish. And so you know that you share that vision. And so it's like, I think if you've proven that you share those commonalities once, that you're pretty confident that you're able to do it again. Having said that, I think that it's also really rewarding to work with different people, whether it, you know, whether it is DPs or editors or composers, but that's a, that's a bittersweet thing because it's like you, at one time, in one way you would like to work with the same people all the time because it's like a well-oiled machine and, and it's great to know, you know, know and love the people that you're collaborating with, but at the same time, it's important to expand your comfort level and to have new opportunities and collaborate with new people. So where and how do you know what is the right balance? And so mm-hmm. I, I do try yeah. to also ensure that I'm continually working with new voices and new filmmakers in order to not only challenge myself, but also then have that reward of a new experience. So mm. for the work that I do, I do like to get out of my comfort level. It's one of the reasons I love traveling so much. And I like traveling to remote and unusual places because I like getting outside of my comfort zone and being forced to grow. I think is the more you do it, and I would dare say that you have found this as your years of experience go on in producing is that you also get good at picking up on a vibe and you just have to trust your gut and your instinct a huge amount, not just with the people that you're surrounding yourself by, but what stories you choose and you know how difficult this is going to be and sort of just listen to the signs, how essential it is to make sure that you just vibe with people and that you know it's going to be a positive experience because it's, it's a hard road anyway. So you better make it as smooth and enjoyable as possible and know that you're going to have your differences. It's like you and I might get along like a house on fire, but it doesn't mean we aren't going to have our moments. (laughs) You're speaking my love language right now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, listening to your instincts is so important. And I think that's why when you're starting out in this path, it's so hard to truly give advice to people because that sounds like woo-woo advice you hear at like a panel. Like I remember when I was younger, I was waiting for someone to give me the magic answer. I was like, somebody here has the key to this and they're just not telling me. I'm going to go to enough of these and one person's going to slip and they're going to accidentally tell me the secret answer. And so much of it is intuitive and it is like just finding your path and trusting yourself. And that sounds very simple, but really hard to do if you're truly listening. So, you know, have you ever had an experience where you did not trust your instincts and they went badly? And if so, like... Yeah, absolutely. 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 Oh my God. How did you come out the other side? After I licked my wounds and realized that I should have trusted my instinct. Mm. I I, I think that sometimes those are the best lessons to remind you to trust your instinct yeah. and that occasionally you you don't want too many of those but occasionally going against your instinct and then proving to yourself that your instinct was correct is <laughs> just a really good way to remind yourself in future when that 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 little feeling starts to perk you know perk up in your gut and be like hey you might not want to do this don't do it yeah, that like any muscle, it takes years of practice. And I know that I've spent a lifetime of pushing the boundaries on my instinct to sort of see where they would lead. <laughs> and um, without fail, I can't say that there's ever a time when I went against my better instincts that it did not backfire. Mm. Having said that, I don't regret any of them. Because 
they all got me to where I am now. And I'm incredibly happy with where I am now, who I am now. It's like, I know I'm not perfect, but it's like, I like the lessons that are there. I look forward to being able to use all the stuff that I've gathered so far and hopefully, you know, learn more and become a better person as I, as I move forward. So it's not about regretting those things, but it's about just rechecking your tools in the toolbox. I'm listening to Untamed by Glendon Doyle. And she talks about how, you know, being human and, and being a normal person is just being a person who feels the full breath of your humanity. And it feels you feel your pain, you feel all the ugly, you feel all the things that suck. But if you numb yourself to those things, you never really, it never lands in a deeper place where then you can access that instinctually, internally, spiritually, however you want to describe it, to then help you navigate those decisions. So it's almost like the lesson's going to keep coming up time and time again, and you can choose when you want to learn it, <laughs> for real learn it, you know? Yeah, nicely put. And I think, you know, it's like you have to sort of acknowledge the the shame, the guilt, the mistakes, the, you were talking about the imposter syndrome. I think it's like knowing and recognizing that it's like, we all deal with that. Yes. That we're all frightened, that we're all doing our, you know, that we're all doing our best, that we all, as I say, it's like, we all know we've made mistakes. Yeah. Sure. I'd love to go back and take certain things back and, and not upset people or come across as an arrogant ass in certain things, but, but I can't take those back. I can only hope that that I evolved, really feeling those things and not sort of shutting them off. I think that those help make you a better producer as well. You are managing such a large team as a producer. Once you do finally get to critical mass and you have all of the players to sort of get the film done and being empathetic. And I think all of these things we've been talking, talking about that there's a level of empathy in those yeah. and being able to relate to other people and being able to sort of Manage, nurture, and protect everybody that's on set is mm -hmm. an yeah. important skill set. 100%. One of the things that I try to ensure on set is that from the PA to the directors and cast, it's like that everybody is as important as everybody else. Yeah. Well, and everybody's an important piece of that collaboration. You know, there's a machine at play. And yes, there are some people that have bigger jobs or bigger stakes or more visibility with what they do. But everybody is important. I, I use this example often. But if that one person's job is to get a coffee order and get it right, like that's not a small thing. You're going to make someone's day mm -hmm. with something so simple because you got the coffee they wanted. Yeah. The way you do one thing speaks to how you do everything. And so the people that move up, it's by having that sense of integrity and enthusiasm, whether you're getting the coffee or whether you're directing an A-list actor. And I think that energetic exchange either is there in a person or it isn't. You know, it's like we can teach someone the hard skills. We can teach them budgeting and scheduling and all of the stuff and union rules, all of that you can learn. But teaching someone how to be a good, decent human, well, that's much harder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good point. Yeah. You have long, you know, long hours, long days, grueling schedule. And, you know, it's so rewarding when you're around great people that share the energy and the spirit. And as you say, it's just sort of like people just have to sort of, I think, be thoughtful and considerate and and diligent. Yeah. Those qualities that can enable somebody to go really far. Yeah. You know, like even little things if I get I get a lot of requests to support different projects and give advice on things and and I I try. <laughs> I try to do them all I can't. Very often I rely on those that are going to follow up with me. It's like if somebody emails me a couple three times and it's not that I'm looking for them to track me down and do that, but I am really busy and I'll sort of get 
lost in, in projects and work that I'm doing. But if I have somebody that reaches out and they're like, hey, I'm just checking in, you know, no, no, you're busy, but would love to hear from you. I really appreciate that professionalism and the diligence and the kindness and the and the understanding of the situation. And I'm absolutely going to support that person and help because to your point, I think that they have the basic tools and understanding of what it's then going to take to get to the next level. Yeah, I think that that is such a hard thing to teach that finesse of that tact, because I I get this question a lot of like, persistence and how to like, you know, especially nowadays, you can find pretty much anybody on social media or their email addresses. And it's like, knowing how to approach people with a want when you're the person who wants something from them and being super sensitive to that and understanding the other person's side and how they probably get requests like this all the time. So how are you going to show up in a way that is different and memorable? And I don't think that needs to come with a big grand gesture of some type and nobody needs to mail you cookies and track down your address. Like that's just creepy. It's it's tiny. It's it's minuscule. And that's what I think it is. The finesse is like almost imperceptible because you're just being kind and short with your emails and being considerate of someone's time and what's on their plate. Even if you don't really know, you're just assuming that they are completely swamped and they will get back to you when they can. But if, if you are the person who wants something, who is seeking guidance of some type or want to collaborate with someone like that is truly the trick. I mean, I, I have gotten, I would say, almost everything I've achieved in my career by being a squeaky wheel and just pinging the people that I've admired. I mean, The Pretty One is a perfect example. I met Steven Berger, the producer, at some random party. And a lot of people, it was a Sundance party. So it was like, not at Sundance, it was here in LA. But it was a lot of, you know, schmoozy kind of people that I just don't vibe with. I don't know how to play that game. And then there was this dude in the corner, just kind of hanging out by himself. And I had coincidentally read the script that was on the blacklist like weeks prior. And so when I met him, and he was like, Oh, I'm Steven, and I'm doing this thing. And it's a script. And it's called blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait, I just read this. Like, that's crazy. Wow. I forget how old I was at that point, but I had been transitioning from acting more into producing. And I was like, well, look, I I would love to learn from you. Like, I've never been on a professional real set. So if there's any way I can shadow you. And he gave me his info and I stayed in touch. And this was like October and the production didn't happen until June. And we went for coffee once. And then I stayed in touch, checked in a few months later, checked in again, And then randomly in June, I got an email. He's like, hey, we're going into production. I remembered you. Like, if you're down, like, and you want to come shadow, like, you can come. I mean, it's obviously not paid. So just come at your own whenever you can be there. And I cleared my schedule and made it a point to be there every single day. And that set still to this day was set for me the perfect example of what a good set should feel like. And it comes from the top down. And I got to learn so much by truly just finding those moments of downtime for each department and going and being like, hey, so what do you do? What is this? What is this? What is a dolly? Like, what is this about? You know, why do you need this? Mm-hmm. I remember that being a really chill, relaxed set. It was. It just yeah. spoke volumes. And I was like, oh, this is what it's meant to be like. And this is what I'm going to be chasing for the rest of my career. Yeah. And I feel like I've been able to do that. And I feel very, very happy. And what a fantastic opportunity you had, though, to see and feel what you wanted to emulate. Yes. As a producer. So much of filmmaking is 
emotional and intuitive. Yeah, for sure. Even down to the financing aspect of it. Like I, I need to be compassionate and kind and attuned to the emotional temperament of what's going on to protect an investment, you know? Yeah. And that, that's sort of like the other facet. That's another part that I really enjoy. It's like, I, I love dealing with the financiers. I love dealing with the agents. I love dealing with the lawyers. It's like, not everybody likes those things, but I, I really enjoy those interactions. I appreciate the business that that they're all doing, um, which is a different, you know, which is, of course, very different from sort of like being on the set. And as you say, and sort of like the creating and the making of, but again, back to whether it's the PA to the director and actors, same as with the, the very business, the show business side of it versus the sort of like the show art and the creation, one doesn't happen without the other. Yep. And again, I think it's going back to that sort of like just respecting everybody and being really honest and transparent with everybody and tabling everything and be, you know, just, just being a, an honest, good person. It's like, it's, it, that's the best that you can be. It doesn't, you know, it's not always going to, it's not always going to work, but I think it's a great policy. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, even if an agent is acting for so, asking for something for a client and you can't yeah. give it, and it's like, I would love to do that, but I really cannot do that. My budget does not allow, or if I do this for you, I have to do this for everybody, and I just cannot do that. How do we figure this out? And, mm-hmm. and, and being transparent and trying to figure out ways of problem solving. And I think that for yeah. a, a producer, it's like really the majority of our job is constantly problem solving. Yeah. Real-time problem solving. Yeah, exactly. Every day, every minute. Yeah. And it's always something different. It's like, if you don't like problem solving, don't be a producer. (laughs) But if you like that, because you're like, oh, okay, great. Again, back to sort of like that puzzle. So it's like, okay, what's the way that we can do this? And how can we create it? it? And of course, there's a solution. Yeah. Um, There's always a solution. There's always a solution. How do you feel if you do feel that producing has defined you as a person, your identity? That's a really good question. Um, I don't know if producing has defined me as I'm sure it has as a producer, but I almost feel like I was born as a little producer in that I've constantly been organizing and planning (laughs) things from birth. (laughs) And so it's actually a natural, it's you know, it's sort of like, I, I think I was destined to be a producer or a party promoter. They're sort of all the, the or a project manager. It's like, it's all the same. It's all the same thing. Yeah. Um, Herding cats. You know, and just organizing lists. I love lists. I've always loved lists. Yeah. Oh, God, um, yeah. Right? Oh. Paper stories are my my weakness and pens. Oh, forget about it. Oh, me too. I should show you the stack of pens I have over there. Exactly. I, I thought oh stationary God. stores as a kid. It's like all of these things. <laughs> I used to collect back in and when I was growing up in Brazil, it was like the thing where you would have letter paper match with matching envelopes, like stationary letter letter paper. And you would go to school and like trade with the girls. Oh, yeah. But you would never use it because they were too pretty. Okay. <laughs> you know? That is rad. I actually came across some of that colored paper that I have had for a very long time. It was in a storage box. How exciting. So I could relate. Yeah, I think I was probably about 10. I, I remember when I found it, I was like, wow. Anyway, I digress. But, you know, just sort of like that, that organ, that organizing and loving people and, and wanting to create something. It's like that I was born like, like that. I would say that probably the way that producing has defined me or how all of that has evolved now is that I see that I have an opportunity. I don't know, responsibility sounds a little 
you know, arrogant, but it's like that there's an opportunity to tell stories that I think are important. I think that I actually started my career in communications when I was working in Hong Kong and doing all of that project management and all that. They said to, it was actually in the PR world. And so that was in the communications mm. industry. And I feel like what I do now and being involved in filmmaking and content creation is the best communications vehicle that we have. So versus a press release or a community or a local newspaper or even a, you know, a regional or a national newspaper and sort of like an op-ed or an article, this is a much bigger way of communicating. Making a movie or a series is, is going to reach far more people and it's going to live on. Yeah. And so again, I think it's the same, it's, it's this, it's really the same basis. And so I don't think that it's any accident that I ended up in something that is still communications. And that's how I, that's how I look at it. And I would say that that's probably how it has defined me as I'm like, wow, I have this, I have this opportunity to amplify voices and stories that will live on. That's amazing. So your first feature, 2007, would you say that that's when you would consider the beginning of your career as a producer, your journey as a producer? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So 13 years. Definitely. Yeah. When I when I worked when I worked um, for John in the studio world, I didn't really sort of under it took me a while to sort of understand what producing was. And I don't even think that I knew when I did that working with him what you know what it meant it took me a few more years I ended up going and working in finance but when I left finance and I came back to Los Angeles I went into independent producing because I was an actor and I wanted to create content for myself Mm -hmm. so that's how I sort of ended up slipping back into the producing realm Um, I got sick of waiting around for an agent to call uh, or even sign me (laughs) (laughs) you know that wasn't happening as readily as I as I had hoped and because I am a doer, I was like, okay, great. I'll start going out and building my credits and, and creating stuff for my reel. And so I started with shorts. This was prior to the 2007 feature. And I found that once I started doing that, I, I really enjoyed it. And it was a different part of my creativity. You know, I, I, thought, I, thought, that, I thought acting was my creative outlet. But as I started to produce, I realized that it's like, oh, actually, I can have a lot of creative say and input and satisfy that part of my being by being a producer. And so it just sort of started to evolve. The first film that I produced, fully produced, um, alongside a couple of other producers, namely a fellow by the name of James Choi, was this, as I mentioned, sort of a guerrilla micro-budget indie. We went to Shanghai with a camera and basically eight people and shot a movie. movie. Um, One of the best experiences of my life, hands down, had an absolute ball doing it. It was total trial and error. Um, We semi knew what we were doing, but... um, That's the best way to do it. Yeah, because it was like necessity is the mother of invention and you just figure it out. And we had basically eight crazy people that were willing to figure it it out. We we, we did hire a line producer who knew what she was doing um, and was an adventurer and a sound guy and a DP because we knew. So that's three of our eight right there. That's three really important positions to know what they're doing though. So at least we knew that we had those those three people who could sort of like hold it together. And then the rest of us, it's like the producers and, and the director, we were everything. We were PA, we were wardrobe, we were makeup. We, we were everything, you know, craft services, caterers. We were the whole thing. 
one of the immense gifts of that is it also gave you an appreciation. Whereas I had gone from the studio world where there were, you know, 20 people in each department doing it. And like you said, doing the dance and then doing it so beautifully whenever they were needed, when there were basically four to eight of us doing everything, you had to figure everything out. And so you appreciated what a challenge that was. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I knew what I was doing it for other than the experience and, and to prove to myself that I could and, and to learn. It really was sort of this great, exper- great experiment to learn. But it ended up, again, we had, everybody was super passionate. Everybody was super willing and was going to do everything they possibly could to make it as good as they possibly could. I think we shot the whole thing for $30,000. Wow. Um, once we did post and delivery, it ended up being a bit more, but it ended up winning South by Southwest. What's it called? It's called Made in China. And it's this super quirky, really fun comedy. Um, came out in 2009. 2009 is when it premiered at, at South by Southwest, all in with delivery and stuff. You know, it ended up it costing a fair bit more. Different times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, different times. But it was an amazing experience and it became our calling card. Yeah. And I often, you know, sort of laugh about the fact that that I also produced that entire film so I could have one scene. <laughs> Spent years, years of my life still dealing with stuff on that film. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. But man, so out the gate, your first project wins South by. Yeah. What so a high bar. <laughs> it was, so that was hugely unexpected. I didn't even know what that meant. It's like, I, did, I really, I'd been to Sundance and I'd been to some of the film festivals, but I didn't really even know what any of that meant. And I think that that, for me, it doesn't mean it's right for everybody. But I think that that was a good illustration of you just have to do what you do because you love it and you have to do it to feel fulfilled and whatever happens with it happens with it. It's like, it doesn't mean that you don't sort of like have a goal and a direction. Yeah. But I think if you're like, I'm going to make a film and I'm going to get it into Sundance and then this is going to happen and this is going to happen. Chances are you're going to be really disappointed because life doesn't necessarily work like that. (laughs) Well, okay, so now you, you, you're a producer who's had films that won Sundance and South By. What are the realities of what happens after that? Like, what changes? What is life like after you win a big festival like that? Um, people take your calls, so that's nice. You realize how hard you work for people to, <laughs> to take your calls. Read an email, respond to an email. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's like you feel like you've earned your stripes. You got a few battle scars. You've proved, you yeah. know, you've proven that you can do it. I think that mm. let's face it, it's like Hollywood is full of people that are all working to accomplish these things. I also realize that how much luck is involved in all these things. I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying that the hard work isn't worth and doesn't pay off. Absolutely, you have to work hard and you have to sort of like have a direction. But I'm very very clear that there's a lot of luck that goes into all of this. Yeah. And then after winning, as I said, I think that sort of people realize that it's like you're 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 serious, you're determined, you've got the you know you've got the hustle, and are maybe willing to give you um, a greater opportunity. You know, you still have to work just as hard, but the level of the conversation changes. And I think that was the big biggest thing mm-hmm. that that I realized. I mean, to, to your point of what you said earlier the floodgates on all of a sudden, you know, open and, and I didn't have every studio in town calling me, offering me a job. Rolling out the red carpet, like Bronin's have arrived. Here you go. Welcome. Yeah, they, which one would you like? Is, it's all which here. Is weird. <laughs> <laughs> it 
which, really which one do you want? <laughs> this, 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 this. That's right. Which bungalow? Yeah. How much would you like this check to be for for your next film? No, that didn't happen. Yeah. Let me know. Let me know when it does happen. We'll have you back on the show. You can tell us all about it. Okay. That's a deal. Yeah. Maybe another five to 10 films. It's like, we'll see what happens. But it was very clear that pretty early on that it's like, no, you just have to keep doing the work and you just need to keep forging ahead. I think we all do that in so many aspects of our life. It's like we think that all of a sudden it's going to be like, I arrived, everything's perfect. Mm. Not unlike sometimes relationships and marriage. It's like people get married and then they think their life is going to be perfect and they live happily ever after. And it's like, no, there's a lot of work that's going to start. Yeah. You know, also every project and is is like a marriage, and particularly the I think the director and the producer and your your and or the couple of three producers. It's like you are in a relationship and you're working really hard towards these these goals. Um, you've then been vetted for the industry once you once you win one or more festivals. It's like you've taken some of the guesswork out of it for other people within the entertainment industry, and you have been vetted. And I think that's really what it is. And that's incredibly valuable. And I'm, gr- and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So 13 years, how many features have you completed in that time? Um, ah, la, la, la. I believe that I have fully produced four or five features. And then there have been some shorts in there as well. But I think of the ones that I have developed and produced, there have been four. I believe. And is that more rewarding for you of an experience when you get to develop and produce versus coming in at different parts of the process? Yeah, they're they're rewarding in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm working on a couple of projects now as a as an executive producer where they're they're smaller films and the farther I get along in my career, it's like I'm not going to necessarily be able to do the day-to-day heavy lifting on those very small films. But I do think that it's important to support those voices and those filmmakers. And if I can impart some wisdom or provide some support from my years in the trenches, then why not? Yeah, Those can be incredibly rewarding because you're not spending five or six years of your life on them. <laughs> yeah. Whereas when you're developing and producing something from soup to nuts, you are on those for five, six, ten years. Yeah. So... Um, there is certainly a sense of accomplishment, a massive sense of accomplishment when those projects come to fruition. Uh, you know, I think we started the conversation by saying everyone is a small miracle. Every every film that gets produced, I think, is a small miracle. Yeah. I like the variety. I love being busy. You know, I don't feel like this is just my career or my job. It's like I feel like it's my life's work. Yeah. Um, so I'm quite I'm quite happy being involved in as many things as possible. You know, so much of the show and why I started this endeavor is to really get in and talk about some of the messy parts and the hard parts of people's journeys and the moments when you were in it and you were like, I don't know, or I don't think I'm going to get through the other side. Like, this is really fucking hard, you know? And I'm fascinated by what it is that keeps people going and pushing through because we all have had those feelings. We all have felt those lows. I know I have. And I ask this question often because I've had so many of those in my journey because it's been so hard. And I feel like I'm now finally at a place in the past like three, four years where so much of that hardship and the years of planting seeds are finally blossoming in ways I couldn't have predicted. Mm -hmm. But there were so many years where like, despite my good efforts, nothing was really happening. And it always felt like I was taking one step forward and 18 steps back. (laughs) And I and I, you know, 
considered many times like okay what else can I do like there's got to be something else and kept coming back to it so I asked this question because it's a very personal like I'm asking for a friend and I'm the friend you know like I'm always just very curious how how others producers especially can get through those humps in their in themselves so have there been I'm sure there have like moments in these past 13 years since you set out on this journey on this expedition that you felt that way. And can you speak a little bit about them and what kept you pushing forward? Yeah, definitely. Those like, oh my God, what am I doing? This is hard. Is this really, you know, is this really what I want to do? Am I ever, is this ever going to get produced? Um, you know, absolutely. I have those thoughts. I always take time to evaluate where those thoughts are coming from. and. As we talked about earlier on, it's like if I find that it's no longer fun and I genuinely am not enjoying it anymore, then it's time for me to move on. And so I do think it's important to ask those questions and sort of have that reflection. But after reflecting and realizing it's like, no, you do want to do this. You've just, it's, it's hard right now. And you just have to keep climbing that hill and you can do it. And it's like, you know, having a pep talk with yourself and, you know, you're lucky if you have a couple of three great people around you that are just sort of like champions and that will support you, whatever you decide, whether you decide to, to leave it or whether you decide to sort of like keep in it, but that, you know, just sort of have your back. I mean, if you have one, you're fortunate. I often come back to it. Would I really be happy doing something else? And I am fortunate to have had many different careers and in different countries, you know, different countries, different careers. So I actually have something to compare it to as well. And mm. when I think about those d- different things that I've done, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go back and do that. I was like, I will not, I will not be happy. And so you are happier now frustrated than you were doing those. So just keep going. <laughs> if you get to a point where you really can't keep on keeping on for any longer, <laughs> then you'll figure it out. Yeah. And just knowing that it is going to be challenging, you know, that, that there are going to be times when you want to quit. I suppose it's how people must pe- feel when they're playing sports. Yeah. Every time you think you're done and think you want to quit, you have to find that extra 10% in you. And often when you find that extra 10% is most of the time where there's some great reward. And it made the great reward just may being knowing that you can overcome your own doubts. Yeah, I definitely had this misconception of achieving a dream and thinking that, oh, well, once you get to that dream, like it's gonna be like amazing the whole time. And it's been really interesting as I've grown in my career and gotten to like rub shoulders with people who are way more impressive and accomplished than me. And you get to realize, like, even people who live their dreams and get to do the thing they love don't love it all the time. Yeah, that's a really good point. And and I think that there are an awful lot of people, whether it's film or music, fashion, you know, these very creative, uh, high-profile careers. And I think that very often people get depressed when they have succeeded because all of a sudden their life isn't perfect. And all of a sudden they realize that, like, oh, shit, I have to keep I just have to keep doing this same thing forever. And, and realizing that that's not necessarily there's no nirvana, and it's not going to be your ultimate happiness sitting on top of a hill waiting for you. Yes, you're constantly, I suppose, having to 
reflect and realize that you need to find your real happiness and joy in other places. This is something that you have to do. It's like maybe it's your dharma, your purpose, and you love what you're doing, but but don't expect it to be the be all and end all and to all of a sudden make your life perfect and happy because that's not where it comes from. Yeah. I mean, that's perfectly said. It kind of ties in, I think, to what I imagine your answer would be. The advice that you would have for someone who wants to mirror your your journey. Yeah, I dare say it would. There, I think the biggest thing is it's like you have to be persistent. You have to hustle. You have to have courage. You have to put yourself out there. You really have to be as fearless. I mean, you're not fearless. It's like courage, facing the fear and doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Know that whoever you are looking at as a role model or what you know, what have you, or somebody's career that you want to emulate, they are having challenges too. Their life is absolutely not perfect and that you just have to do the work. In some ways, it's as simple as that. And it's like, but you really better have to want to do the work. You know, it's like, I think acting is, it's like, if you do not wake up every day feeling like that you absolutely have to be an actor because in every cell of your being, it's like, you have to be an actor. Don't be an actor because really it's really hard like it is really hard so you better really want that and not want that because you want the fame and fortune because that may never come you have to do it because it's like you just have to act yeah and that's I think the same with writing or producing is it's like I love what I do it's hard I work insane hours but I love what I do and so I do feel like it's something that I just have to do and I think that that's probably the advice that I would give just keep going there's no, there's no real, there's certainly not a magic wand. You just have to keep doing the yeah, work. Yeah, I've been looking for it. And if I find it, I promise I will share it. Thank you for that in advance. <laughs> I will do the same thing. But I have learned after <laughs> many, many years of toiling away, it's like, oh, yeah, no magic wand. Just <laughs> keep doing the work. Mm, the big secret is that nobody knows what they're doing. Everybody's just doing the best they can to keep it all going. You know, I think I think people do have the best intentions. I don't think it's like fake it till you make it. It's not that. I think it's like we're all just stumbling through this world and this life and trying to do the best we can with what we have. And nobody really has the answer to any of it. Yeah. And, you know, it's like there may be one in... 10 or 20,000 that all of a sudden is like a rocket ship and takes off in any aspect of the industry and just has a very unusual trajectory. Yes, that does happen, but that is absolutely the exception rather than the rule. And it doesn't mean that they're not going to face challenges. It's like, I don't think that there's anybody out there that's in the entertainment industry that is not going to say that they have challenges. It's like, even if they have incredible success, it may just, it could be that they'd have no life of their own and the pressure on them to succeed. um, And the fact that they no longer can be create as creative as they want to be, because they're now having to be confined in a more commercial box, that there are always going to be challenges. Well said. I mean, Thank you. I mean, this sometimes these these conversations feel like free therapy. So thank you for that. <laughs> it's My it's pleasure. always like I'm... the messages I need to hear right when they happen. It's really fascinating, um, and I, I do hope that the people listening feel some kinship to it, like I do, because I I truly love talking to others and getting to know their stories and learning where I can, you know, and sort of doing the best I can too to be a part of this mission to bring 
good things to good people and continue down this long road, which is just our lives, you know, at this point, like it's so intertwined that it's like, it's not, you cannot separate one from the other. Exactly. Be a good person, be a good human, not because you have to, because you want to, because who you are in your personal life should be no different than who you are in your professional life. Absolutely. Don't think that you need to be tough or an ass or any of those things to get ahead in, in, this business or any business because you absolutely don't. And I think it's like in the end, you will go much, much farther by being kind, considerate and thoughtful. And you will find your tribe. There are an awful lot of good people in the entertainment industry that want to work together and band together and, and be, be who you truly are. It's like be willing to be vulnerable and open. And yes, often you're then going, you're going to get a lot more in return for that. I think that you expect doesn't mean that there aren't going to be pitfalls doesn't mean that there aren't going to be times where it you know you get you get hurt or where it doesn't sort of like work according to plan but in the grander scheme of things sort of the 80% I think that you will you'll be better off and you'll just have sort of like a happier more peaceful life that is my belief after again after sort of like years in the trenches and I am definitely happier now than I've ever been and a lot of that is with letting go of the pressure of what my expectations were for what this journey was going to look like. Well, you're a gem of a human and I'm so glad. I'm so glad that there's another, there's a you out there doing this good work in our industry and infusing it with all of the things that I very much believe that are touchstones of who I want to be in this business and whatever success is meant meant for me. And so I'm grateful that we've connected and that you're out there. Me too. Thank you for allowing me to share and not just with you, but with your, with your community. Of course. Our community. Get out there and make movies. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you. And that's this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and doing this life thing with me week after week. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, review, wherever it is you get your podcast. Tell a friend, tag a friend, and hit me up on the socials. I'm at Carolina Gropa. The show's at Life with Kaka. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next week. Beijos.